Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson, trucking expert here at Freight Waves. And for today's show, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the impact of nearshoring, trucking, and fintech, especially in Latin America. So, I mean, that's one of the big topics that folks are talking about because uh, not only traditionally we think about our supply chain, it's always stuff that comes from China and it gets shipped across via, you know, the large maritime container ships and then it arrives in our ports. But uh, we are seeing an increase, uh, you know, due to COVID costs and other things uh, in uh, firms moving down south of the border. And so a lot of fascinating stuff coming on. Uh, we're going to be waiting to see. Uh, hopefully we get Jamie uh, Tabaknik, our guest, uh, will be joining us soon. In the meantime, I uh, had a great conversation with him a while ago. Supply chain meets fintech. So this was one of the fascinating conversations and uh, we'll probably get to highlight that on as well as we figure this out. But uh, one of the cool challenges for carriers, especially in Mexico, uh, we were talking about a few months ago, was that the challenge of getting paid. Uh, so, you know, it's fascinating because in, in regular, you know, the United States, days to pay is an important aspect. Carriers run deficits. There's always the cash crunch that you are trying to, uh, you know, outrun uh, quite literally. Freight brokerages have a similar issue, by the way. You saw the recent strings of bankruptcies and especially even with convoy situation, it was related to, uh, you know, credit and having that revolving credit. And you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. But uh, service levels for carriers was based on how quickly you could get paid. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing. You know, you take it for granted in the supply chain that, uh, you know, there's trust within the payment system. You know, you think of the early fintech stuff like Stripe and, you know, how Visa and all these other groups, these providers were uh, like intermediaries and such. But uh, when we're looking at it in other countries, that's not always the case. And so one of the interesting ones here, I was looking at my notes as well, because there's some fascinating uh, stuff on there. Uh, $77 million in cumulative loans for 900 trucking companies. That's what the folks at Solvento are doing uh, that Jamie is a part of. But uh, we'll we'll see if we uh, if we manage to get them on. That's the fun part about a live show, if you're listeners, uh, by the way. I, I normally do uh, a complete live show. Other times when you're doing in the media game, you can uh, pre-record segments and stuff like that and have the guests come in and then you just slot them in. And, uh, you know, I'm actually going to be on a podcast I recorded with a week ago, and it will be another three weeks until my pre-recorded and edited session goes through. So while we wait for Jamie, let's talk about how to run a successful podcast, folks, because I know that the title in the description may be a little bit different. We'll fix that in post, but uh, it is fascinating because I know that listeners, while we, we listen to Loaded and Rolling to find out about trucking things, if you're looking at and you're a company that is looking to try and get into this uh, situation where you want to have marketing and media and uh, content, kind of like what I do, uh, that's uh, some of the big challenges. Uh, you know, some folks have their own home set up. I'm actually in a studio right now now. So uh, a live in-show studio with an entire staff in the back that's running the boards. And uh, folks like uh, Charles Gracie and Sins Per Mile and uh, Blythe Brimleave and a few others, they have their own homebrew setups. And so it's really fascinating to see because, you know, when you're starting out, you can literally just start out with, uh, you know, a nice microphone. Uh, you can get like a Yeti. This one's a Sure. This is one of the nice. This is probably like a $300 microphone. I, I need to get one of these one day. We'll put that on the list. Uh, and then, you know, just some basic video editing software. And uh, it's it's really cool because back in the day, uh, you know, I remember using Final Cut Pro in high school. You have to go through, cut these things through. But a lot of the AI now, you can even 
take your entire clips with your raw files, and then you can put it in and have them, uh, the AI will pick out like 30 second to a minute and a half long clips. And then it'll let you uh, distribute the content. So, you know, kind of like what we're doing, what's the top of funnel thing, like it loaded and rolling, uh, you know, we're talking about topics. And so I can talk into a few other topics today that I'm working on. Uh, we'll probably dive into that. But I think it's interesting for listeners, especially for y'all listening to this, uh, is just to find out, uh, of course, what uh, what it means to do these shows. You know, a lot of trucking and legacy. I mean, I imagine it always, even when I worked at like US Express, uh, you know, you'd see the the billboards. You know, billboards was one of the big ones too. That's what's fascinating. You would literally have like drive for Schneider, drive for Heartland, drive for Swift and at cent per mile. And so, you know, we're talking about uh, outreach and media as well. Uh, fascinating stuff. But hey, let's circle back. We have our guest in here. We're going to be talking about Latin American. So for those of you just joining us, we did do a little bit of a dabble in the media stuff. That's bonus content, loaded and rolling extras. But let's welcome on our next guest, Jamie uh, Tabotnik, co-founder and CEO of Solvento. If you don't know who they are, they are a fintech company that does payment and credit infrastructure in the Latin American trucking sector. Jamie, pleasure to get the catch back up with you again. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in that area. Yeah, a lot of stuff and very excited to be here. Thanks a lot, man. So let's dive right in here. One of the cool things is the big talk about nearshoring. I know that you know, it's it's a buzzword. It's a media buzzword. Uh, for for one of the big things, and especially in your experience being on the ground working with these carriers, is that a situation where it's becoming more visible, or is it more business as usual? What are some of your observations? Uh, you know, in terms of these larger trends. I think that this is a very very important uh, moment for Mexico as a country. Uh, Reshoring is real. Like the other day I saw and I read a report uh, about how much investment has come to the country in the past year to reshore supply chains. And one of the most important things that's bring uh, executives is our infrastructure regarding uh, roads to move goods and the actual carriers that we have. Uh, and if they're going to be able to sustain this increasing demand. So in the past years, there has been a lack of capacity to uh, to work with. So this exponential incremental demand is definitely worrisome in, in the sense of how are we going to be able to uh, work through this uh, with the lack of capacity that we already have in the market, the deficit in drivers and infrastructure. So it's definitely... Uh, provoking a lot of very interesting conversations and there's a very deep deep uh space and a lot of opportunities for innovation right now in the u.s market for for truckload uh, supply and demand it's been too many trucks but for mexico this extra incremental demand is that something where these fleets are trying to find ways to even grow is it an opposite effect you know is business booming south of the border for the the carriers Yes, I, I would say that since we're so close to the U.S., the trade recession was also felt, but it was equalized by this incremental demand driven by new shine. So I do, we do see incremental like uh, firms that are doing incredibly well, the firms that are well positioned with customers that are more directly impacted by this growth are growing their fleets. And there are emerging players coming into market, new 
a lot of U.S. brokers coming to work in Mexico that need integration to the Mexican carriers and Mexican ecosystem and new uh, trucking and brokerage companies in Mexico with a cross-border uh, focus and building the capabilities to be able to offer cross-border logistic services. That's going to be a real fascinating to look at. And one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, there's been a lot of coverage and development, but um, is, is that, especially even in the fintech and the payment sphere, you know, we talked about a few months ago, I think the last supply chain meets fintech, I got to talk to you about this. Is that still an issue? Uh, and that's like a, a hindrance where I can't get the funds to even grow to cover this demand or even set up warehousing or set up these operations because of that lack of financial infrastructure. Yeah, that's our reason to exist. The lack of this financial infrastructure and the access to financial instruments and credit that can enable this rapid growth. So here in Mexico, we have a very, very similar uh, industry in, 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 in the sense of how fragmented it is. So the majority of carriers and fleets in Mexico are micro companies of less than five trucks. And there is a very low penetration of financial and banking services for these companies. We don't have a, like factoring has not yet been, it's, it's not a common thing to use in the freight industry. And that has a lot of reasons behind it. But this combination of fragmentation, lack of access to credit and incremental demands uh, set the perfect stage and the perfect storm for a very big liquidity and cash gap that needs to be bridged in order for these small fleets to work for these companies that are growing fast and also need to pay with credit. Like these companies that are growing also want to optimize and extend the payment cycles as any CFO of any company will do. So the cash gap is even uh, more intense when there's this hyper growth situation like the one we're going through driven by nearshoring. And I'm curious about that as well, because a lot of the nearshoring, we're seeing multinational, we're seeing Chinese companies setting up in Monterey. Tesla, I think, is looking into parts of Monterey. Is there a fear that if I'm like a, a, a Mexican shipper and I'm still trying to get access, would these carriers potentially go start servicing the multinationals setting up shop? Because at least they have the payment infrastructure and they'll pay me faster. That was one thing I remember you told me about was that carriers will prioritize days to pay because it's so hard to collect compared to other metrics that we look like in the U.S. Yeah, so... I, what we're trying to do at Solvento is help these companies prioritize setting up this infrastructure so this doesn't happen. So we're now talking to a lot of U.S. brokers that setting shop in Mexico and going to start operations, and they already work with a solution and infrastructure in the U.S. that enables them to pay immediately with an auditing and a quick pay solution for carriers. We are the only solution in Mexico that can enable that experience for your carriers. And we are helping these companies prioritize this loyalty you need to create with your carriers, because if not, you will lose that capacity that you have developed through the years. And that is key. And the pandemic brought us something, I think, that is truly valuable. And that's a principle of building, building uh, resiliency in our supply chains. And without a known and predictable capacity, 
on the carrier side and on the road freight, which is the most important mode of transportation in Mexico, your supply chain won't be resilient. You will be accessing spot rates continuously. You will be losing your good uh, carriers. And a lot of these good carriers are also the ones that are trustworthy, that won't be involved in theft situations in our roads in Mexico, that that's also an important uh, concern. So every a lot of this ties up to uh, helping companies prioritize and understand how important it is to treat your carriers as kings and as if they're a key part, as they should and they are a key part of the success of your companies to have that capacity and to have them happy and loyal to your company. I'm really surprised that the U.S. now, you know, it makes more sense when you hear it. U.S. brokers need to expand into the Mexican market. We're hearing more of the cross-border. But I think that's fascinating because that means there's an opportunity. If I'm a savvy broker, I need to partner with uh, financial payment providers to be able to snag the the Mexican carriers, but also I need to identify them. And it's almost like a chicken or the egg. I can't just, I'm assuming, cold call a bunch of Mexican carriers uh, and figure out, hey, do you have any trucks like you do in the U.S.? Is that something that people are not really looking on? Is there something where Latin American or Mexican-based brokerages are springing up? Or is this kind of like a uniquely American phenomenon where uh, within the U.S., this freight broker cottage industry has about 20, 30 years of, of growth. And so it's almost like a it's a race. Yeah, I would say that in Mexico, we don't have this very uh, large brokers and players that dominate this space. And actually, there's a lot of brokers that have been working in Mexico in the past. We have the example of Uber Freight coming into Mexico, buying Transplace and having an important share of the market already. Uh, and we have the, the the usual suspects like DHL Supply Chain and others uh, as, as global players. But we do not have a lot of local uh, big companies that... Uh, perform and have the capabilities and infrastructure like the some some of the larger US brokers have. So I, I do see a lot of integration and a lot of these US companies taking advantage of this new trend in uh, expanding geographically. And but the key to their success again is building these carrier relationships. So that's probably more important for a broker than uh, business development. I think carrier side and with how the, the 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 market landscape is, I think brokers should definitely prioritize the supply side of the marketplace. And for Mexican carriers and trucking companies, uh, is there a situation where, uh, you know, is it just as easy in the U.S. as buy a few extra trucks? Are there additional hurdles on their end in terms of infrastructure, getting financing, loans, figuring out how to even get the capital to buy more trucks and find these drivers? Is that one of the bottlenecks that's maybe not being discussed in addition to the payment stuff? Because, you know, in, in the U.S., it's crazy. We have CDL mills just go out, find a few drivers. You know, it's not like we're struggling with drivers right now. But in Mexico, are there other inherent factors that's preventing this kind of growth? What's it like for the trucking folks? Yeah, I think I, I haven't heard uh, that the the lack of trucks and chips continues to be a bottleneck. But the one that is, I think, number one pain point at the moment, aside of uh, capital, is uh, the deficit of drivers. Companies cannot fight good drivers. Uh, drive being a truck driver in Mexico is consistently uh, decreasing its popularity, mostly 
because of the insecurity in the Mexican roads. That's something that's really concerning, and I really think we should uh, address and pressure the government to get involved. I think yesterday in Mexico, there was a public manifestation of trucks in one of the most important roads where they uh, literally parked their trucks and blocked the road to demand security in the roads because there's a lot, a lot of incidents. So young people doesn't want to be a truck driver because of, I think, one of the main reasons is this insecurity. And a lot of the good drivers, because we know that in the U.S., we, they, they, there's a similar a deficit or shortage. And there are companies right now that are taking the good Mexican drivers and giving them a green card and giving them a job in the U.S. and taking them to the U.S. So that's not helping the Mexican side either. So there's a lot, a lot of work uh, in that sense. I would prioritize the drivers ahead of any other potential bottleneck there is to get this supply going. I like your your comments on the security. I've heard two things I wanted to get your thoughts on. The first was I heard the reason nearshoring is concentrated closest to the border is to just limit the distance. So the thought is that maybe I'm just going to limit the amount traveled so I have less of a risk of having something happen. And the second thing I heard, I don't know if this is true, but the challenges between the federal police and the state police and that is there a situation where uh, maybe the state police in certain areas along routes are trying to participate in thefts compared to maybe the federal ones? And there's a, there's additional complexities just even trying to get security. Yeah, I'm not an expert in, in the security space, but I, I see complete logic in the sense that a shorter a transit means lower risk and also lower cost. Let's let's not forget that these companies optimize for uh, the bottom line and uh, shorter transits mean shorter cost on transportation and freight. So I think that's the number one motivator. Uh, but I agree that most of the most dangerous roads are not closer to the border or more in the central Mexico, in the Bajio area, Puebla, Veracruz. That's where the mo- most is- incidents happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really pray for a government to react soon because this, for me, is one of the main factors that could make this reshoring phenomenon slow down and make some investors have second thoughts about uh, setting shops here in Mexico and, and their supply chain. So I really hope our government reacts. We, we're in an election year. And I really think, I, I really hope that the truckers keep on demonstrating and showing how uh, not happy they are with the current state of the security on the roads. And there's uh, a very important plan to figure it out. Security is key. I want to talk a little bit as well about AI, the tech and the AI. I know that uh, accounts payable, when I dealt with it as a broker and a carrier, it's a lot of steps. It's super uh, you know, manual, you're waiting to hear back, you're sending info, you're waiting for paper. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, what end-to-end, what does this automation look like? How does AI go in? Because I hear sometimes AI can be like a magic silver bullet, but is, is there something y'all are working on or that you've spoken to folks about? What are the things they're hoping to automate? What does it look like, especially for payables to help get folks paid faster? Absolutely. So uh, when it comes to freight, uh, in Mexico, processes are still 100% manual when it comes to auditing and scheduling payments. 
And how does this auditing process look like today? So you have a bunch of people, and this is what happens in uh, emerging markets and economies where labor is much cheaper than in developed economies. So you have a team of people that uh, reviews your document, the documentation of every delivery. And in every delivery, you have different things you need to verify because each customer, if you're a broker or a shipper that delivers to a customer, you need to comply with whatever your customer asks from you to be able to collect the goods that you have delivered. So you need to show them your POD, your proof of delivery, and the customer determines if it needs to have a stamp, if it needs to have a signature. Even need to show, even uh, we've encountered with customers that ask for a picture evidence of the truck delivering the goods, like act, an actual photograph. So all those business rules, people have them in their minds. And these teams literally are comparing pieces of paper, reviewing if they have signatures, if they have stamps, if the rate that the, the invoice uh, and, and the carrier put on the invoice is correct. And there's there's this whole world of accessorial charges that increases complexity of auditing uh, tremendously because it's very variable. So this is an impossible job for a human being. And these people are doing the best they can. But uh, AI and our product is helping automate a lot of this verification. So there's first there's this set up phase where we configure all these business rules that every one of your customers asks from you. And then we train an AI model that will start to recognize all these patterns. So we'll figure out if the signature, the stamp, and all the documentation that you need is in order, that you don't have any duplicated documents that you that a carrier use to uh, verify uh, uh, a delivery before that the rates and the accessorial chargers are in line and they have uh, a the correct date and they are a linked to the same load. So there's a lot of very mechanical processes that AI and the new advances in AI are perfect to do this job and do them in a much better and precise way than a human being does it. So it's a great uh, use case for AI and it's still not 100% accurate. So it's one of those use cases where you still need a person, but it's a way uh, and a use case where AI empowers people to be probably five times more productive. So it's 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 showing a lot of, uh, of result. People and users love it. And the, the savings and the visibility you have on your trade spend are just uh, incredible. And are these, I was curious about this as well, especially in developing countries where you're trying to get trust and authentication, the handshakes, are these also very heavily invested on the mobile front or is it more just uploading it later on the back end with the desktop? Because I'd only assume that we, especially when these areas crossing borders, everything else, you have to turn the driver's phone into their computer, their POD, their verifier, and then send it back up for checks. Is that one of the big pushes as well for the mobile aspect or can you just do it anywhere? We are, uh, there's a mix. So there's companies that have successfully implemented mobile and mobile PODs and, and electronic PODs. The thing is a lot of customers still ask for a physical POD to pay you. So there's a massive waste of paper and uh, of moving of paper and spending money uh, moving paperwork in order to collect and demonstrate a successful deliveries. So at the moment, most of our customers upload their documentation or the proof of delivery 
on their back office, but our vision, which is to offer carriers the option to have immediate payments upon delivery, is to uh, promote more and more use of, of mobile because that could definitely enable a much more speedy process and for carriers to be able to get their money quicker to their wallet. So uh, we're pushing towards that direction. Time is money. Jamie, always a pleasure to have you on. Got about 45 seconds left here. Uh, folks want to learn more about Solvento, get more information, get in touch. Best way to find out. Uh, yeah. So what our website, solvento.mx, and we're in every social media platform as uh, Solvento, a lower... Uh, lower line I forgot yeah underscore uh, <laughs> yeah exactly solvento underscore mx and uh, yeah reach out love and really 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 love to have this types of conversations and we're set up in, in fast moving waters and very eager to enable companies to work better with carriers and have a more resilient supply chain and more loyal capacity Looking forward to it. Jamie, thanks as always. Great getting to catch up. We're going to be touching base again as well. We're going to see how it develops. Definitely a development worth watching. I would love that, my man. Thanks a lot for having me here. That's going to be a wrap for today's show, but don't worry. Every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, it's the new time. And subscribe to the newsletter every Thursday at 2 p.m. Look at that. We synced it up, folks. Join us next week for our next edition. We'll do it live. <laughs>